48K News. It's 11 o'clock. I'm Todd Harding. Tonight's headlines, Joshua Wong, Agnes Chow and Ivan Lam are jailed over a protest outside police headquarters last year. The government is planning to give free COVID vaccines to all in Hong Kong and Britain is to start mass vaccinations next week after approving the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. Pro-democracy activists Joshua Wong, Agnes Chow and Ivan Lam have been sentenced to prison terms for their roles in an anti-government protest that saw police officers trapped inside their headquarters in one chai for hours. Wong was given the longest sentence, 13 and a half months, while Chow got 10 months and Lam 7. Jimmy Choi reports. The sentences for the three prominent activists were reduced because they had all pled guilty. But the magistrate said she had used a higher starting point for sentencing Wong because he had taken a leadership role in the protest. Before being escorted out of court, the activists shouted to his supporters, I know the road ahead is tough, but I will hang in there. Add oil, the crowd shouted back. Chow, meanwhile, cried upon hearing her punishment. Her defence announced a plan to appeal, but Chow was denied bail and walked limply out of court. Thousands of people had laid siege to the building in Wan Chai on June the 21st last year, demanding the withdrawal of the government's extradition bill and that police stop describing protests earlier in the movement as riots. The crowd blocked the building's entrances, with some protesters vandalising walls and smashing surveillance cameras, but there were no serious clashes with the police. Wong pleaded guilty to organising the assembly and inciting others to join. Chow also admitted inciting people to join the demonstration, as well as taking part herself, while Lam pleaded guilty to the incitement charge. Two men have been jailed in the past for convictions relating to their activism, but this is the first time Chow has been given a prison sentence. Next Digital founder Jimmy Lai and two of his senior executives have been charged with fraud after they reported back to police this afternoon after getting arrested earlier. They will appear in the West Kowloon court tomorrow. Apple Daily says the three are accused of using Next Digital's headquarters in Chengkwano for purposes not permitted by the lease. Mr Lai was arrested in August for allegedly breaching the national security law but has not been charged. The same day, around 200 police officers raided the next digital building and arrested several senior executives of the media company. The government says it's planning to provide free coronavirus vaccines for everybody in Hong Kong, starting off with the three million people deemed to be most at risk or vulnerable. Richard Pine has details. The Health Secretary Sophia Chan told the Legislative Council that receiving a vaccine would be voluntary, adding that the government has set aside $10 million for promotion and education work. She also told lawmakers that regulators in the SAR would prioritise the registration of coronavirus vaccines when they become available. We will speed up the vetting procedures while ensuring the vaccine's safety, efficacy and quality. Authorities will take all necessary measures to allow the use of any vaccine which is proved to be safe and effective. We will not rule out introducing emergency legislation when necessary. The health chief says three million people are expected to be vaccinated first, including medical workers, elderly people, patients with chronic diseases and care home workers. She says vaccines produced on the mainland and overseas were being considered by the SAR government. And she added that the government is planning to buy two doses of COVID-19 vaccine for every resident, with the vaccines coming from at least two different manufacturers. 
Britain has become the first country to approve the widespread use of the coronavirus vaccine developed by Pfizer and BioNTech and will start mass immunisation from next week. It'll be the first such vaccine to be put into use after completing an internationally recognised regulatory process. Dr June Rain, the chief executive of the UK's regulator, told a news conference people could be confident the vaccine was safe. The public can be absolutely confident that every rigorous check has been done to reach the judgment that we reached, that the benefits far outweigh any risk, that the safety of the vaccine has been scrutinised independently by our Commission on Human Medicines and no stone has been left unturned. Britain has ordered enough doses to vaccinate 20 million people in the coming months. The government will prioritise the elderly, other high-risk people and health professionals. You're listening to RTHK. The time is coming up to five minutes past 11. Health authorities said the coronavirus situation in Hong Kong is worrying as more than half of the beds at intensive care units at public hospitals are already occupied. They reported 103 new COVID-19 cases today with outbreaks at a construction site in Chengkwano and a care home for the disabled in Sao Kei Wan taking a turn for the worse. A chief manager with the hospital authority, Dr Lau Ka Hin, said many patients in this fourth wave of infections are aged over 50 and that it's very worrying if more patients need intensive care. The patient's condition may deteriorate in the first and second week after admission to the hospital. And in this wave, the age range between 50 to 60 and 60 to 70 years old citizens was admitted to our hospital more than the last wave. So we are expecting there may be more patients who need to have intensive care in the coming week. Meanwhile, a 73-year-old coronavirus patient has died at Queen Elizabeth Hospital. The hospital authorities said she tested negative for the virus after getting treatment in October, but her condition subsequently deteriorated. Hong Kong has reported 109 deaths related to COVID-19 so far. The United Christian Hospital says two patients and a member of staff have been confirmed with the coronavirus. They are an occupational therapist whose main duty is providing rehab services at the homes of patients, along with two female patients. Several staff members and patients will be sent into quarantine as a precaution. The district court says a judge specially tasked with handling national security cases will decide whether to take on the sedition trial of Tan Tuck Chi, even though the pro-democracy activist has not been charged under the new legislation. The hearing will take place tomorrow. Violet Wong reports. Tam Takchi faces a total of 14 charges, including shouting allegedly seditious slogans such as Liberate Hong Kong, Revolution of Our Times, and inciting others to do the same. The Department of Justice says such words clearly have a subversive meaning, alleging that Mr Tam tried to alter the constitutional order of Hong Kong. It had requested a designated national security judge take on the case as it could fall under the ambit of the national security law. The DOJ added this would not be unfair to Mr. Tam, as these judges can also hear cases that are unrelated to the new law. But defense barrister Philip Dice argued it was inconsistent for the prosecutors to make the request only after the case had been transferred to the district court, warning that it would set a bad precedent if the court approved the application. Handing down his ruling, Chief District Judge Justin Coe said he would leave it to a designated judge to decide if Mr. Tam's case really is related to the national security law. 
He said he agreed with the DOJ's reasoning that if a normal judge were to preside over Mr. Tam's trial, he or she may act beyond their legal authority, and the matter could be subject to a judicial review. Police officers have arrested a Baptist University student leader, once again accusing him of possessing offensive weapons by carrying a laser pointer. Francis Sit has details. The police said Key Fong was arrested on suspicion of perverting the course of justice and resisting a public officer, as well as possession of offensive weapons, all in connection with a purchase of 10 laser pointers in Shampshopo in August last year. Senior Superintendent Ho Chen Dong of the Organized Crime and Tried Bureau claimed the 22-year-old had tried to resist arrest and had run away when stopped by the police. He also accused Mr. Fong of resetting his mobile phone and deleting all records related to the the case, despite being asked by officers not to use the device. He also dismissed a suggestion that the laser pointers could have been meant for stargazing, saying the ones the Baptist University student leader allegedly possessed were designed for industrial or military purposes. Normally, those laser devices are used for stargazing. They are emitting green beams. And those we see, the 10 laser devices that we see, they are emitting blue beams. So we think that they are not for stargazing purposes. The senior superintendent said the acting student union head would appear before West Kalu Magistracy next Tuesday. The defence lawyer for a doctor found guilty of manslaughter over a fatal beauty treatment blunder eight years ago has asked the court for leniency for his client's terrible error of judgment. Timmy Song reports. Mac Wanning was found guilty in the High Court of Manslaughter for administering an unproven therapy that killed a 46-year-old woman. The court had heard that Mac administered a blood infusion on Chan Yunnam at a DR Beauty Clinic on October 3, 2012. She fell seriously ill and died a week later, with tests revealing her blood was contaminated with high levels of bacteria. She is due to be sentenced on December the 8th. In mitigation, Max's lawyers said character references submitted to court described the defendant as a diligent and caring person. He added that Max suffers from stomach problems and depression and has a four-year-old daughter who has special educational needs. The lawyer asked the court to consider the defendant's misguided loyalty to her employer and the excessive amount of trust she placed in other people, adding that the procedure was carried out in a beauty centre where there was surprisingly low regulatory control. He said that Mac was relatively inexperienced as a practicing doctor. Judge Judy Anna Banz, meanwhile, said while the main villain of this case was DR Group founder Stephen Chow, the defendant had failed to protect her customer as she did not check if the blood was contaminated. A sacked journalist from iCable's China News team has accused senior managers who were recently parachuted into the station of trying to obstruct their coverage of sensitive topics. The accusation comes a day after 40 members of the newsroom were sacked, prompting many of their colleagues to resign in protest. Candice Wong reports. After Wang Laiping was sacked as part of the mass layoff, all her colleagues on the China desk resigned in a show of solidarity. Heads of other news departments also quit, some saying they weren't consulted or even told about the layoffs. Speaking on RTHK, Ms Wong said four senior managers who were recently appointed to take charge of the newsroom had tried to moderate her section's coverage of sensitive topics. They wanted to interfere but didn't have the ability to do so. A lot of times we resisted and held them off. 
she said. She said one manager, Hui Fengfei, had requested more coverage of official Beijing press conferences, and he had tried to intervene in a story on mainland authorities forcing designated lawyers on crime suspects, such as the 12 young Hong Kongers who are being detained on suspicion of an illegal border crossing. Ms Wong said he asked them to balance the story by reporting how these official lawyers help people. But Ms Wong said the story was about how suspects on the mainland can't hire their own lawyers. They would ask questions to try to keep your story from getting aired or interfere under the pretense of seeking balance. But because they are not very familiar with issues in China, we can easily brush them off, she said. The government has said it's open to tax relief measures in its next budget, but ruled out cash handouts. Vicky Wong has details. Lawmaker Paul Ter had asked the government during a LegCo meeting if it could either waive salaries taxes completely or at least reduce it substantially. He said the authorities had conducted tax assessments based on people's pre-pandemic incomes and that many workers affected by the COVID-19 outbreak may no longer be able to afford their tax bills. Secretary for Financial Services and the Treasury Christopher Ho responded by saying the government will consider waiving salaries tax as a relief measure in the next budget, expected to be unveiled in February. But he dismissed suggestions for the government to hand out cash or inject money directly into workers' MPF accounts. Mr Ho said the government has already been offering targeted help to groups most affected by the coronavirus and stressed that authorities need to adopt an extremely prudent approach with the government's deficits swelling to over $300 billion. In sports news, Mick Schumacher, the son of the seven-times world champion Michael Schumacher, is to race as a Formula One driver next year. The BBC's Alex Capstick has the details. After a nine-year absence, the Schumacher name is returning to Formula One. Mick Schumacher's opportunity to race among motor racing's elite and follow in his father's footsteps has for some time seemed inevitable. As a young driver, he's impressed in and out of the car. He currently leads the Formula 2 standings, a traditional gateway to the top level. His performances have been especially notable in such a competitive environment. The 21-year-old, who's been a member of the Ferrari Academy since 2019, is joining the Haas team. They released a statement in which Mick Schumacher said he was both extremely happy and speechless. The BBC's Alex Capstick reporting. A reminder of our top stories tonight. Joshua Wong, Agnes Chow and Ivan Lam are jailed over a protest outside police headquarters last year. The government is planning to give free COVID vaccines to all in Hong Kong. And Britain is to start mass vaccinations next week after approving the Pfizer-BioNTech vaccine. The news from RTHK. RTHK Radio 3 It's time now to look at stories covered in this evening's Newswrap programme. The UK has become the first country in the world to approve the widespread use of the coronavirus vaccine developed by Pfizer and BioNTech. Trial results showed the vaccine was 90% effective and even more so for over 65s. RTHK's UK correspondent Peter Anderson told Anna-Marie Evans that the British government has ordered enough doses to vaccinate 20 million people in the coming months. I think the government is obviously delighted and delighted to be the first, certainly in Western Europe, in large parts of the world to be introducing a vaccine. But 
they are tempering their message with a caution for people still to remain vigilant. They are saying that social distancing, the standard health measures must remain in place. But this is hugely significant news. It is, it is good news for the UK. And it has ordered as a country 40 million doses of this vaccine. That's enough for 20 million people. In the government's language, they are expecting 10 million doses to be available soon. How soon, we don't know. But significantly, they are expecting the first 800,000 doses to be available in the coming days, so potentially just next week. That means that this huge vaccination program can get underway. The National Health Service, the NHS here in the UK, has already described this as the largest scale vaccination campaign in UK history, and they are already ramping up in readiness for this. 50 hospitals across the UK are on standby getting ready for this, and also there will be vaccination centres set up in places such as leisure centres, conference centres, and also we understand that doctors, surgeries and pharmacists will also be brought into this. So we are looking over the coming days, perhaps in, in as little as five, six days, the first people in the UK could be receiving this vaccine produced by Pfizer and BioNTech. So uh, it's going to be that, you know, people have to wait until the NHS, the National Health Service in Britain, contacts them. So uh, it will be people who are in care homes, their staff, people over 80 and other health and social care workers are at the top of this list. Now, what does that mean, though? I mean, does that mean that those people are now inoculated, that they're free to go out? reality is that obviously it is going to take several months before there is a significant rollout of this. The UK government, for example, as I said, has ordered 40 million doses of the vaccine from Pfizer and BioNTech. It has also ordered 100 million doses of the Oxford University and AstraZeneca vaccine and 7 million doses of the Moderna vaccine. And the hope is that if all of these vaccines come online at the same time, it will offer multiple options in the armory. But the reality is only so many people are going to be able to be vaccinated at any one time. There aren't enough health professionals, there aren't enough trained people to roll this out in a matter of days or weeks. So this will be a gradual process. Here in the UK, and one would assume in other European countries and elsewhere in the, in the world, we are being told that there will be greater normality by March or April, and the Health Secretary, Matt Hancock, here indicating that by next summer, there will be some kind of normal summer for British people, so June, July. But this is going to be a long, drawn-out process. It won't change overnight. And there will be the issue that some people potentially could refuse to have this vaccine. Yeah. And there's already talk in this country of some kind of passport system to show that you have had the vaccine. That has not been confirmed by the government. But there's speculation that certain venues, certain holiday companies could start to segregate, in a sense, those who've had the vaccine and those who haven't. And so if you have had this vaccine, you almost have the green card to have a a more normal life sooner. The Society for Community Organisation is urging the government to expand a planned cash allowance for people who've been waiting for public housing for over three years. The authorities are targeting families and elderly people with the scheme, expected to be launched in the middle of next year. But SOCO says single applicants who are under 58 years old are being left out. The allowance is expected to range from $1,200 for a single applicant to $3,800 for families of six or more. Soko Silai San spoke to Candice Wong. I think they expect-
call uh, quite a number of the non-elderly uh, person, one person, because actually housing policy, they exclude these people, and around 120,000 people, they are waiting for this. They are non-elderly, a single person. Many of them living in cage home, cubicles, these kind of poor conditions. Every year, the government actually allocate only 2,000 units for them. So many of them, they need to wait for over 20 years, 30 years for the public housing. And now that the rent subsidy excludes them, I think it's really unreasonable and really unfair for them. Is it how the government defined the family or, you know, household? That's why they exclude them for how they calculate who can be eligible for this cash allowance? Yeah, actually they uh, divided the waiting list in the, uh, for public housing to normal and non-normal non household. And so those normal households uh, include those families or, or elderly. And those single people, they are uh, under 58 years old. They are on the queue of one person, and then they exclude from many subsidies of uh, housing subsidies. What do you think about this amount? Um, 1250 for one person household and uh, around $4,000 for those um, with six persons. Do you think the amount is right? I think the amount is quite minimal. Uh, it's not really good enough to for have a market price. But of course, uh, it also will help for these people. They are in uh, very poor condition and the income is very low. But I think maybe the subsidy is only enough to rent a very small cubicle or subdivided flat. So I think they, they, they need to adjust to the uh, market price. Uh, I think every of them maybe need double the price so they will be uh, easier for them to, to have a decent housing. And apart from that, uh, the, 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 even the, not only the amount of the subsidy, but also is the, whether they have a rent control legislation. So the landlord will not be cost uh, household. They receive the subsidy and then they increase the rent. And this is already really important for the policy. And this pilot scheme is also expected to run for three years. Do you think this is ideal? I think the waiting time, now the waiting time for public housing is very long and longer than before. So three year property is not enough. Um, property need five years and even for the single people, they wait for over 10 years. So we think the government should consider even if, the, if for the uh, single people, they need to have longer uh, subsidy uh, period. Do you think this cash allowance has come quite late um, after many years of calling for it? Yeah, definitely. It's quite late and too late. For these people, they suffer so many years and, and actually, especially in these two years, it, people, they are facing uh, financial hardship and those uh, social problems so many and and even the COVID-19, many people unemployed. And I think they need to implement uh, maybe in two or three months so the people, they can help immediately. The tourism sector is calling for additional financial support after local tours were effectively banned under the latest coronavirus restrictions. The worsening COVID-19 outbreak prompted authorities to remove exemptions for tour groups and religious activities from social distancing restrictions. That spells the end for local tour groups, which have grown in popularity recently among Hong Kongers who aren't able to travel outside the city. The chairman of the Travel Agent Owners Association, Freddie Yip, told Francis Sit that the trade needs more than the $600 million pledged by the chief executive last week. Our trade members who are running this local one-day tour very surprised and feel very disappointed. It's very ridiculous that the people asking me, is 30 people sit in one tourist coach, 
dangerous than the Hong Kong people taking the MTR or the public transport during the peak hour, so crowded with the people. On the whole situation, of course, everybody would like to uh, make sure everybody uh, safe and without infection of the virus to spread around. So if such a reason to stop operating local tours, then we have to follow. What would be the impact for some of these tour agencies? Because some of them must have already planned for some tours, and now will they be losing money because of this cancellation? True. In fact, out of 1,700 licensed travel agencies in Hong Kong, there are only a few of these agencies that operate the local one-day tour in the past time. But due to uh, the government encourage the travel agency to operate the one-day tour, so they offer $200 per person to be as a subsidy or incentive scheme given to the tour agent who operate the tour. And every travel agency, they have 1,000 people's quota. Therefore, in the past few months, many travel agencies try to switch the effort and spend a lot of time to see how to operate this local tour. Right now, I understand although the response for this local one-day tour is not so good as expected, but still some of the travel agencies, they work very hard and try to get a lot of customers to book. Now they need to refund the money to them and they need to cancel the arrangement, the reservation for the tourist coach, the guy, restaurant, etc. So uh, what can we do? Now, I mean, the chief executive has reserved a sum of money for the tourism industry. In her policy address, um, it was about $600 million. Given the latest announcement, do you think that is going to be enough to save the industry? Or do you wish the industry would have more subsidies coming? This is what we are looking for. Now they stopped the travel agency to operate a one-day tour. I think they need to start to think where to find the money and how much to be given to the travel agency to help them. We're now well into this year's Operation Santa Claus, the annual charity campaign organised by RTHK Radio 3 and the South China Morning Post. This year we're raising money for 19 NGOs. One of them is St Barnabas's Society and Home, which is running a special project to help underprivileged elderly people with eyesight problems. Jim Gould went along to meet staff at their day centre as well as two of their service users, Mr Xia, who's a Mandarin speaker, and Ms Wu, who spoke in Cantonese. But first, let's hear from Miranda Lee, the Interim Executive Director of the charity. St. Barbara Society and Home is a self-financed charity uh, with a day center in Western District. And we have been here for more than 30 years. Our mission is to serve the poor and homeless people. At the same time, we also do the outreach to the street sleeper or those service users living in the very poor conditions, uh, such as the temporary shelter or the uh, wooden partitions, and to provide them support, like the antivirus supplies. And and so so we have, we have around at least 150 service users, and their average age is around 70 years old. 
and with such old age, their physical body, of course, weaken a lot, particularly for eyesight. They might suffer from the uh, glucomol, cardiac, or, or floater. With such weak eyesight, it affects their daily life very much. For example, even crossing the road from the MTR to here is already very hard for them. And even we provide the meal service, it's also very hard for them to recognize the food. And when we provide the Bible study, also they take pretty hard to read the Bible. So how will you use the funds from Operation Santa Claus? Okay, we are great to have the foundation from the Operation Santa Claus, and we will arrange try uh, arrange around 20 service users to to have the eye examination, and at the private doctor there at a charity price. Uh, after checking their eyes in depth examination, then we will arrange uh, based on the doctor's expertise or adjustments, we will arrange them to do the uh, surgery. I think we expect around four to five people who can get the surgery. Reading is my favorite thing to do, but since I have cataracts, I cannot see the words anymore and can't even read the Bible. The staff here at St. Barnabas Society and Home are very supportive. I've been coming to St. Barnabas for 10 years now. The staff here really care about us and will always help us with our medical issues. Mr. Shah says, my parents and my sisters all have cataracts and now I do too. I can't see clearly anymore, but because I don't have any income, I cannot afford to see a doctor or have surgery. The staff at St. Barnabas really care for me. They'll take me to a doctor whenever I need medical help. That was Mr. Xia and earlier Ms. Wu expressing their thanks to St. Barnabas's Society and Home. And we also heard from Miranda Lee, the charity's interim executive director. If you want to know more about Operation Santa 2020 or you'd like to make a donation, please visit our Radio 3 homepage or go to osc.scmp.com. Those stories were part of the Newswrap programme, which was broadcast on RTHK earlier this evening. Amid the epidemic, thanks to all for being self-disciplined to protect yourselves and others. Thanks for keeping up personal and environmental hygiene and contributing to fighting the virus. We must take further steps. Keep track of your whereabouts. If you are sick, don't go to work or school. See the doctor and get tested promptly. We will prevail over the epidemic. Visit coronavirus.gov.hk for details. Fight Fight the the virus. virus. Stay Stay vigilant. vigilant. Radio 3 Weather. Well, look at the weather forecast for tonight and tomorrow. Fine and dry, cool in the morning and at night. Minimum temperature will be around 16 degrees in town. Then it'll be a couple of degrees lower over those chilly new territories. Maximum temperature during the day will be around 21 degrees Celsius and winds will be moderate northerly and strengthening gradually. The outlook... Fine and dry in the following couple of days. Rather cool in the morning with temperatures falling to around 14 degrees. Temperature difference between night and day will be relatively large. Currently, the air quality health index is low to moderate with readings of 3 and 4. 
At the observatory, the air temperature is 19 degrees Celsius. Relative humidity stands at 1960s, probably 1962. That was Skeeter Davis and End of the World. I'm Simon Wilson, sitting in for Uncle Ray. The world's most durable DJ is sheltering in place during the current COVID spike and we'll be back with you on Monday. Right now, we're playing assorted ballads and easy listening through till one. If there's something you'd like to hear, 233-88266 is the number. And the land is dark And the moon is the only light we'll see No, I won't be afraid Oh, I won't be afraid Just as long as you stand Stand by me <laughs> 